Yo, yo, yo. Episode number 102 of the It's Just a Game podcast. I'm your host, Chris Peel. So right now, I'm hurting a little bit. The Eagles lost the Super Bowl about 40 hours ago. Still thinking about it. Still fresh in my mind. Still looking back on things. You know how when something bad happens to you, you just need to talk about it with somebody? Whether it's a friend, whether it's a therapist, whether it's a counselor, whether it's your spouse. You just need to let it out. That's what I did today. So I got my guy, Tyre. He's been on with me three times before on this on this uh, show. So he's um a producer for WIP. He has his own podcast, the Affiliate Experience Podcast, which you guys have heard him say that before. So we're going to just um talk Eagles. We're going to talk about the future, how we... How do we look on next year? The Jonathan Gannon, not Jonathan Gannon, the Shane Steichen news came out that he's taking a coaching job in Indy. So we're going to talk about that. Um, we're going to talk about all of the free agents that we have. What do we think the What do we think the destiny for these guys are? Are they gone? Are they staying? How much do we have to pay Jalen Hurts? What do we have to do to keep them? All of that crap. So and we're going to just talk about how much the Super Bowl really hurt us. So um, we'll get into that on the other side. Calm down, Kaiba. It's just a game. Uh, the phrase, it's just a game, is such a weak mindset. The phrase, it's just a game, is such a weak mindset. If anyone ever uses the excuse, it's just a game. Quagmire, it's just a game. Take it easy. But it's just a game. That's right. It's just a game. It's just a game, bro. It's just a what? It's just a game, you know? What's up, bro? How you doing? Man, depressed, but I'll make it through. <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely with you on that. I've been thinking about it for two days straight now. <laughs> yeah, it's even painful when you actually got to go back and watch it because, you know, you're not the only person that, that's asked me to, you know, break down the game. So I'm a little, I'm a little frustrated the more I had to watch it. But... but <laughs> Yeah, it's tough, man. And I I'm still where I was yesterday. I I haven't quite had the heart to rewatch it just yet. Like honestly, I haven't really I haven't really watched ESPN. Like everything that's been in my daily like news cycle leading up to the game and just like in my day to day life of being a, a sports fanatic, I haven't really done the same thing. I've been yesterday I watched the land just because like I needed a happy ending. Like I really just needed something good. <laughs> Let me tell you something. It um it, it it gets it's painful. It's frustrating when you have to talk about it because you know people different people ask you to go on a podcast with them and talk about it, and you're just yeah. like, I, I don't want to, but sure. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Yeah, it's honestly, I was telling my lady about this too. So when the Chiefs won the Super Bowl in 2019, I was really happy for them. I'm like, okay, I'm happy for Mahomes. I'm happy for Andy Reid. I like all the players that was on that team, Kelsey, all those guys. I was like really happy for them guys. Like seeing them at the podium with the trophy, I was like really excited for them. Right. This time around, at our our expense, like I didn't want to watch any of them. I turned the TV off like immediately. I was like, I'm not, I'm not watching this. Like I legit hated everyone. Like I hated, I hated Travis Kelsey in that moment. That's Jason's (laughs) brother. I watch their (laughs) podcast like every week faithfully, but I'm not watching this week. I'll tell you that right now. Like I'm not doing this. Yo, man, I, I'm telling you, yeah, I, I felt the same way. I, I did. 
you can ask my wife. Like, I didn't talk to anybody yeah. for – hey, I didn't talk to anybody for the rest of the night. Like, I didn't. I, I made yeah. no – type of like contact with anybody that entire night <laughs> yeah yeah same i was going through and i had my phone on my way home i usually put music on i usually listen to actually you guys 94 wr3 on the way home because mm-hmm. i'm expecting you yeah, i'm gonna listen to all the reaction i, I didn't want to listen to none of that i didn't look at my phone because i didn't want to see anything from bleach report i didn't want to see anything so i i had my phone in my back pocket i got home and I just threw my phone in the corner. I didn't look at anything until the next morning. Like I just didn't want to. I didn't want to see anything. Yeah, usually, usually right after the game. So I'm like looking back at you know stuff because you know I I usually work the overnight after the game. So I did. I didn't thankfully this time because I I don't think I would have been able to handle it. I, yeah, I don't. By the grace of God, you didn't have to work that day. That no, I, I wouldn't have been able to handle it. I'd have, I'd have been so pissed. <laughs> yeah, that that sucks, man. Because. Again, like usually watching all the Super Bowls, it's really as a football fan, it's really exciting. Like no matter who wins, if you ain't got a dog in the fight, it's really great to just watch all the games as a neutral fan. Like last year, yeah. I loved last year's game. The year before that, I loved the game. Like and but this year, I'm just I don't want to see any. I don't want to hear anything about a commercial. I I didn't want to see anything. It, it, it hurt so much, man. It really. No, nah, I, I told my wife that I, I went into the game. I was like, "Look, I'm telling you right now, I'm not paying attention to these commercials. I'm not paying attention right. to the halftime show. Like, I'm I'm not paying attention to that. Like, that's not what I'm here for today. Yeah. Like any other day, sure, but this day, nah, fam. Yeah, nah. Like, it's actually more painful. Like, it's like the further you go in the playoffs, it's just more painful. Like last week or last year. We lost to Tampa Bay. It's like, you know what? We're not that good of a team. We're not ready right. for these guys yet. So it, it didn't hurt as much, though. So it was like, all right, we know what we got to do, though. But when you get this far and you know you have the team to win and you know you should have won, it just hurts yeah. so much. Man. Yeah, it sucks. It really do. Like, I'd rather have just – I don't want to say I'd rather have lost in the first round, but if we didn't have a good enough team, it would be cool. It's just no way of losing this game. Like, before the game, I'm thinking – and I was going to ask you this, too. So, mm. before the game, if I would have said to you, if they lose this game, how would you have rather have lost this game? Like, what what way of losing this game would actually make you be like, okay, no problem. Like, I can live with that. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, pretty much the way they lost is kind of sort of the way I, I envisioned us losing. I envisioned us losing in a, in a shootout. And so – that's why for me, I'm like, okay, I'm I'm not upset. I'm not like I'm not mad. I'm more disappointed than anything else because the opportunities were there. But if I were going to lose, it would pretty much be the way we lost on Sunday. And that was, you know, basically, you know, getting you know, getting into a shootout, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. That pretty much the same way our game five years ago was against New England. So and we just happened to come out on top of with that one. But this one mm-hmm. So I do get what you're saying about a shootout, but if Patrick Mahomes threw for like 370 or 380, I'd be like, all right, cool. I get that. Like it's hard to stop the guy. But you look at his numbers, they they weren't that great though. Like because we controlled the ball in the first half, the defense played relatively well. We had a missed field goal, we got lucky with. Uh, I think we had one stop on. Did we have a fourth? No, I think that was a third down stop, which turned into the missed field goal. But the two touchdowns were painful because they were wide open. They were pretty much the same play, just on opposite sides of the field. And it, it, it just really hurt me because of just the wide open touchdowns. Again, if Patrick Mahomes would have went crazy on us, I would have lived with that. But the fact that 
We couldn't even get any pressure on the guy in the second half. And so you watched the game on film. Now I got to ask you, what mm-hmm. happened in the second half? Why Was it more of the offensive line was playing well? Was it more of our defensive line couldn't get great footing on the field? Or was it just Patrick Mahomes scrambling around avoiding sacks? Like, which, what did you see? So, and honestly, this wasn't even just a first half or second half thing. This is really throughout the entire game. That defensive line never really sniffed Patrick Mahomes like that. And that, for me, that's very disappointing considering, you know, this is a franchise, you know, breaking uh, defensive line that had 70 sacks and the Chiefs were right behind him with 55. I mean, that's a huge difference. And from the first from the first to the second place. I mean, there's no reason why there shouldn't have been more pressure on Patrick Mahomes. Just so from a player personnel standpoint, I'm disappointed in the defensive line. Yes, the field was not ideal, but everybody had to play on that field. So I cannot make that um, an excuse in terms of now, if you would have told me that Patrick Mahomes throws for less than about 200 yards through the air, I'm saying, and, and, I'm looking at you as like, is that just the first half or is that the entire game? <laughs> and you right, tell right. and you and you tell me the entire game, I'm saying to myself, well, Dad, sh- we should come out the victor, shouldn't we? Because yeah. that means that, you know, that we we followed through with the game plan offensively and kept them off the field and kept scoring. That that's that's what it sounds like to me. But unfortunately, when you get put in certain situations after that, you know, horrible, horrible punt, and then they lost contain on the punt coverage on the receiver and Kadarius Tony returning. That's what that's what set up that second touchdown that you were um, referring to. And in terms of those two touchdowns that they gave up in the red zone, listen, I don't know if you remember the Jacksonville Jaguars game, yeah. but they scored basically the same way. They put a guy in motion, and there was no there was a lack of communication from the Eagles secondary, and that's basically what happened here. Instead, though. Amy Reed just does it twice. And that's for me, that's frustrating because what that tells me is there wasn't there wasn't any type of, you know, change or discussion about how they scored or what happened. Andy Reed saw something from way in the beginning of the season against Jacksonville and said, hmm, I'm going to implement that here in this game and it's going to work. I don't I, I just don't get it. I really don't. And then for the most part, like I said, the defense really didn't do in the secondary didn't do a very good job of even shutting down the right receivers. I couldn't understand why there was so much space given up to these right receivers. They're not really that good. Kadarius Tone, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying they're horrible, but there shouldn't be that much respect given to somebody guys named Kadarius Tony and Juju Smith Schuster. Like they're, they're not, they're not, you know, the top end guys in the NFL. They're middle of the pack. There was no reason why there should you know, there should have been soft coverage being played on those guys. Right. So once we knew we were playing Kansas City, and I'm glad you said that. So I went back and watched the Chiefs game from last year. And I'm like, mm. okay, let's see. A couple of things. Three-fifths of our offensive line was out. I think Johnson was out, Mylotta was out, and I think Dickerson was out that game. And so I'm thinking, okay, we got a whole offensive line. Offense should play way better. And then defensively, you're going to get to Tyreek Hill. So they're playing pretty much two deep safeties, like pretty much the whole entire game. And they're right. probably off because you're scared of that that, that speed from Tyreek Hill. Even right. that Tyreek Hill went crazy. I mean, I think he had like nine catches for like a buck 85 and two touchdowns or maybe yeah. three touchdowns, honestly. And so I'm thinking, okay, with no Tyreek Hill here, 
our deep, our cornerback should easily shut down these receivers. Like I'm thinking, we can go man to man against these guys. And I know Gannon, Gannon doesn't really play a lot of man to man. It's really not his mo. But I'm thinking against these receivers, there's no reason you shouldn't at least play a little more man. You shouldn't just be sitting in a zone the entire game, especially against these receivers. You're playing against great receivers. I get it. Like cool. Like teach his own. But mm-hmm. playing against these guys, Marquez, Valdez, Gantlin, and like you said, Kadarius Tony. Like Kadarius Tony is. It's pretty much a punt returner. Like, I mean, he's a guy you can run with, like, jet sweeps and stuff like that, but he's not some great receiver. I mean, come on, let's be real here. So. And it goes back – that goes back to adjustments, like you said. Andy Reid made adjustments at, in the second half and adjusted to what the defense did, it did um, you know, presented to the Chiefs' offense, and Jonathan Gannon didn't. I think that's the biggest difference in the world. I mean, we saw it, and unfortunately now, Jonathan Gannon has we, – we've now seen it for a couple of years now – where Jonathan Gannon has a reputation of playing soft, unfortunately, in certain situ- against certain quarterbacks. I mean, we've seen it. We, he seems to play aggressive with quarterbacks that are, are average to below average. And, yeah. You know, he'll allow the corners to, to press up. And he'll play a little bit more man. But against quarterbacks that has a reputation that he has respect for, he tends to play soft. And listen, we have the, the, I think the most disimportant part about how I feel about Jonathan Gannon is it's not like we didn't have to play us like last year, where last year you can justify playing soft because you might not necessarily have had the talent. This year we had the talent and then some. Right. This was the year to win, and then and, and they straight up just didn't do it. I'm so disappointed in Jonathan Gannon just backing off the way he did, and then to all of a sudden play man coverage in in the red zone. I mean, you play soft zone and allow the the Chiefs offense to do whatever you want, like whatever they want to do against you. And then you went to the red zone. Now all of a sudden you want to change up and play man coverage, and yeah. you expect to you expect a miracle like that's just not going to happen. Yeah, like if anything, you should play zone coverage in the red zone because it's not really that much room to work with in the red zone. But so and correct. So head playing zone though, the only reason it works though is when the pressure is getting there. So if the pressure is getting there, it don't really matter. You don't have to sit in the zone for that long. But right. in a game like this, you see if the pressure is not getting there, it can get picked apart a little bit. So that's the kind of the the feast or famine way of when you live and die by just pressure from your front four. So. And that was another frustrating thing. I mean, listen, of course I'm going to have trust in my front four if they put up 70 sacks this season, third most in the NFL history. Yeah. Of course I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to have trust in them. But if I'm saying that – I'm not getting home with four, and I know it's risky, you know, blitzing Patrick Mahomes. I believe he's re- he was ranked first in the NFL against the Blitz this season. So it may be risky, but, I mean, change some things up. Maybe send a slot corner blitz. Or even one thing that I noticed with that defensive line that they weren't doing, they kept rushing the same lanes in the same way. I mean, let's run some stunts. Let's, let's you know, let's run some loops. Let's do something different to kind of change up what this offensive line is expecting. It goes back to just making little adjustments, and I just didn't see that. Yep, for, for sure. And, yeah, it, it just really sucks because this team, like you said, it's so deep and it was so talented. And who knows how many of these guys we're going to be able to keep. I mean, I, if I'm not mistaken, Gardner Johnson is a free agent. Bradbury's a free agent. And if it's up to me, CJ Gardner Johnson is the priority because he can do much more than Bradbury can. I think Bradbury, so I was, Bradbury, Go ahead. Okay, go ahead. Um, so I was going to say, I think Brandon Graham is a free agent. I believe it's Fletcher Cox a free agent as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So TJ Edwards is a free agent. I think Isaiah yep. White only signed a one-year deal. So we have some a lot of decisions to make, and 
you're obviously not going to be able to keep every single player on this defense. So, again, this was the year to show improvement. You had to go for it all this year. So, like, I've been saying that for uh, many a weeks on WIP that this was the this was the year to win it because of how many one year contracts that you had. And I agree with you. I think out of everybody in the secondary, I think Gardner Johnson with his youth and even while being injured, I believe four out of four or five games he was out this year still was tied for the league lead in interceptions. Yeah. So if it's one guy that I'm keeping in that secondary and I'm paying, I'm figuring out a way to pay CJ Gardner Johnson. Yeah, now the right. question. Now, the question is, do I retain Bradbury or do I go to the draft? Uh, I can afford – I mean, Bradbury was an all-pro. Don't get me wrong. But that's one of those positions where I think I might, you know, go to the draft because I do believe that the draft do have um, quality corners. And since we are picking top ten this year uh-huh. with that Saints pick, I think that's where that pick's going to go right there. And Fletcher Cox, it, it's – I said it last year, honestly, but it, it's been time for him to go. He's yeah. just not as he's not as effective as an interior uh, tackle as he used to in his youth. He's not as much as a disruptive force as he was, and it's just time for him to go. Brandon Graham, like right right now, I'm I'm on the line. I mean, he, finally, you know, for the first time in his career, he's hit the double digit sacks. I, I may bring him back. Uh, maybe, maybe not. It depends on you know what free agency looks like and what I can get via free agency. But right now I'm on the line with him. Kazir White, he's probably going to make way for N'Kobe Dean to come yeah. up. I believe it's N'Kobe Dean's time now. T.J. Edwards is a free agent. I mean, he did. He had an okay season. We, we, we've got to find linebackers that can cover guys, and not only guys yeah. that can come up and run support, but find guys that can cover guys. I mean, I mean we've, we've struggled for the past couple of seasons now under this tenure against yeah. tight ends, and it's got to stop. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking around the league and I see San Fran with Warner and um, uh, Greenlaw. Yeah, Greenlaw. And I'm looking at Tampa Bay and I see Devin White and, and Levante David. And I'm just like, dang, I would love to have at least just one of those uh, linebackers. And like you said, our linebackers were okay, but they weren't. I mean, come on. They, they got saved a lot by the defensive line, which they made the plays that were there, you know, in, in the run game. They wouldn't, we wouldn't give up the big plays. They would make the tackle, but it wasn't. You didn't see TJ Edwards like coming in the backfield making like great plays in the backfield. It was just they made the plays that were there. They weren't really explosive enough that for our liking. So. A defensive line will always cover up a lot of mistakes that you have in a in a defense. Yeah, but um, like back to CJ though, you saw even when Avante Maddox went out when they were like, okay, enough with this Josiah Scott nonsense. Like we're gonna move CJ to the slot, and you saw he played well in the slot. You saw the hit that he got had in the Super Bowl. I think he hit either Pacheco or McKinnon, one of those guys. It was like late in the game. He had like a nice hit. So you see, he's not afraid to get physical. He can play the slot. He can play safety. He can play deep. He can play center field. Like he can do so much. So to me, he's definitely the priority. Bradbury, like you said, I think you can he's gonna want to get paid. And I don't, yeah. I don't think you'll be able to afford both of these guys. So and to me, you gotta sign Gardner Johnson. And as we see with a guy like a Sauce Gardner or a guy like Woolen from um from Seattle, these cornerbacks coming out of college, they they can be ready. You could have a really good uh, rookie cornerback. So, and with a top ten pick, I'm pretty sure. Look, I haven't looked at the the like the the top fifty players and all of that, but mm-hmm. there has to be some kind of corner in that top ten that we can pick. So, there's a couple of corners um that's out there. I'm not I'm not hundred percent finished. 
Um, I've, I'm still looking myself and I'm still scouting, doing myself scouting, but mm-hmm. just based off of the little bit of research that I've done, there are a few corners that we that could possibly be available in that top 10. Right. Also, BG, I, I can't lose BG, man. I, I got to resign this guy. Like, I, even if, and I think, I don't want to tell a guy to do a hometown discount, a hometown discount, but I feel like Brandon Graham, his legacy is here. I feel like he would definitely take a little less to sign maybe a one or a two year deal with the Eagles to maybe like a three, four million dollar deal, something like that, just to stay here because I mean, this guy has been here since 2010. Like, come on, that's 13 years. Well, there's one. In the world, man. If there's one guy that's going to give you a hometown discount, it's going to be Brandon Graham. Brandon Graham is going to be that guy that's going to give you that hometown discount. I, I can't see too many other players giving that discount, but if it's one guy that built his legacy, legendary Super Bowl performance, of course yeah. we know that strip sack of Brady. Brandon Graham's probably the guy that's probably going to stay out of out of everybody. That's one thing, too. I'm glad you brought up the strip sack. When they tied the game up at 35 up, and so everybody – I was watching this at the bar. I was watching that work, and everyone's going crazy. They're like, yes, we tied the game up. So I'm sitting there thinking, like, I don't know if I feel really good about this because four minutes left, they haven't got to stop the whole second half. Right. I'm thinking, like, they're just going to sit here and run this clock down and, and get the win pretty much. So, But I'm just thinking, okay, guys, if you're up there listening – Brandon Graham, this is the time to get that because that's what happened in the uh, New, New England game. We yep. didn't get a stop the whole second half, and then we finally got that turnover. And I'm just thinking, like, this is the time. But this defensive line, if you're ever going to get a sack, Hassan Reddick, you've been clutch all year. This is your time to make that money. Like, let's go, Hassan. You're up, man. This is your city. Like, in the San Francisco game, you said, this is my city. This is mine. Like, this is your time to show and prove. Like, now's the time. And I was just waiting for it. I was just waiting for one of these guys okay. to get pressure and just knock that ball loose so we can just get the win. Like I, I was just waiting for it. It just did not happen. It, it, it that's it. It was so frustrating to see that the defensive line didn't step up when when need be. And you know, like I said before, a lot of the guys were making you know the excuse that oh well the field was field was horrible. And don't get me wrong, the field was absolutely horrible. I mean, I don't. How in the world do you spend eight hundred thousand dollars on the field? You got two years to prepare that field, and everybody's you know running around there like it's a slip and slot. Like it's a, it was absolutely horrible, but no excuse because the Chiefs had to play on the same field. There was just no adjustments made, and it, it's frustrating. So, you went back and watched the film. So I'm assuming you watched the broadcast version and then the all twenty two. That's usually yes. what I do after all the games. I usually watch like the condensed version, then I watch the all twenty two version. So yep. from what you saw from the offense, as far as let's start with Jalen Hurts. Mm-hmm. How well would you say Jalen Hurts played? Did he leave any plays on the field or do you think he played like pretty much outside of the fumble, obviously? Do you think he played mm-hmm. pretty much a flawless game? Patrick Mahomes said it best in his press conference interview. He said, Look, there's if there's any doubters, any more doubters out there, then they don't know what they're watching. And I completely agree with them. Jalen Hurts single handedly kept the Eagles in that game because there's not many teams in the NFL that can go toe to toe with Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs and live to tell about it. He kept them toe to toe, he kept toe to toe with them. And I and even after the fumble. I've never seen – typically you would see, you know, a 24-year-old is going to shell up. They're not going to be the same. They're going to, you know, kind of kind of scale back the intensity a little bit. Not Jalen Hurts. This – I don't know – I don't know, you know, 
how he was raised, the mentality that his parents instilled in him. But he is a dog to yeah. go to fumble that ball, give up the set, give up the six points, march your offense right back down the field and score yourself. Yep. That's impressive. Uh-huh. That should not go up. That should not go unnoted. Yeah, it, it, yep. it's it just it pay pay that man. He's going to he's going to get paid this offseason. Oh, whatever, sure. what, whatever he wants, give it to him. He he he, he deserves it. Give it to him. We'll figure out the roster as we go, but pay that man. Right. He, he is worth every penny. Yeah, they talking that like I've seen rumors of him getting like fifty million a year or something like that. Give it to him. <laughs> Give yeah, it to I him. <laughs> Honestly, so I remember back in twenty twenty when he was um a rookie and they were bringing in like, you know, those jet suites and those little read option plays and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And I was working with a guy and he used to say, Oh, put him as a starter, put him as a starter. And I'm like, no, he's he's not ready. Like, no, no, just putting at the time because I was still a Carson Wentz guy. I think me and you talked in twenty twenty. So we did. At the time, I was definitely still like, no, I think Carson Wentz can turn it around. But looking now, I yeah, I wish he would have just started the whole time because like this guy, he he's different. Like honestly, we've had we've seen some quarterbacks. You know, we can go back to Randy Cunningham. We can go to Rodney P. We can go to McNabb. We can go to Wentz. We can go to Foles. We can go to Vic. We can go to Kevin Cobb. Out of every quarterback, I've actually been impressed with this guy the most. It's just. His leadership ability, I've never seen a guy, a quarterback at least, like, you know, we've seen Dawkins and Trotter and guys like that, that mm-hmm. when they talk to the team, everyone listens. I don't think I've seen a quarterback in the city that everyone just listens to. You see his speeches on the sideline. He's like, give it everything you got. And you see his speeches in the um, in the locker room. You see, like, before the games, when they do their pregame speeches, like, all of that stuff, like those meetings before the – like, the, the day before the games – all of those things like don't go unnoticed to me. And again, he doesn't show any emo- like he never gets too high, never gets too low. Like when a bad play happens, I never see him panicking. Like he could have a, a sack fumble, it could be an interception. He gets up, he walks to the sideline, he's like, "That's cool, we got it." Like I never see any type of panic. And if there was ever a time to panic, it would have been a guy his second year as a starter going in the Super Bowl against Patrick Mahomes. This would have been the time to panic to like everything to unravel, but. It never happened. And that's the most impressive thing about Jalen Hurts. You're not going to see him waver. You're not going to see him look worried. You're not going to see him look concerned. You know, he's not He's not going to get too high on himself. He's not going to get too low on himself. He's very even kill. And you listen to his teammates and the way they talk about him, they say the same thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you when you can't shake a guy like that, that's, that's just so scary. I'm almost reminded of because, you know, watching, you know, um, the Jordan documentary. Um, oh, last dance, I, it, 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 yeah, the last dance, and they were talking about how Scottie Pippen, when one of the uh, when Dennis Rodman knocked him to the ground, and Scottie Pippen didn't flinch, he just got right back, shrugged it off, and oh, they yeah. continued to beat the Pistons. That's exactly what I think about with Jalen Hurts. I mean, you can knock him around, you can say whatever you want to about him, you can, you, you know, you. Can, Present him with anything that you can. He's going to figure out a way how to how to beat you, and that's that's a quality that not a lot of people have. He 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 is him. He's got that dog mentality that they talk about, and that's not something that you can easily find and replace. Yeah, and you can say what you want about look. Does he have the strongest arm? No. Does he have the most no. accurate arm? No. But no. All those intangibles that you see with him is just. Like, we're going to figure it out with this guy. Like, I, you can't tell me this guy's not a winner. You saw this guy in college. And I remember, I, I'm not like the hugest, I'm not the biggest, like, college football fan. 
But I remember the story when he got benched in a national championship game, and you see Tua throw an interception, and you saw after the game, Jalen Hurts was smiling like he had won the game too. Most quarterbacks, you see him if they got benched, they're not celebrating with their team. You, you yep. don't even see them in the picture, like. Yep, and that's the difference with Jalen Hurts, man. It doesn't matter who doesn't matter who gets the glory as long as you know, long as the, the team itself gets the W at the end of the day. It, it's and the, here's the scary part: this kid's only 24 years old, and he's always talking about getting better. And we saw the leap from year two to this past year. Now, just imagine what the leap's going to be from this year to next year. Yeah, just sure. imagine how much better he's going to be. Imagine how much better of a passer he's going to be, how much more accurate he's going to be, how much more smarter he's going to be. I mean, I, it, it's something to look forward to. Yeah, for sure, man. I I, I love this guy because back to backup quarterback and I celebrate. And if you look at 2020, I'm pretty sure it was the Saints game, his first start or any game that he started at the end of that year. Like, you didn't see Carson Wentz in any of those pitches. Like, you didn't see him celebrating with the guys. Like, you – I don't, I don't know where he was. You look at any of the mic'd up and any of the celebrations, like Carson Wentz must have been back in the locker room or something. I, I don't know where he was, but you, you didn't see him doing what Jalen Hurts was doing. Like, that just shows you the different type of characters that they are. So. And that also shows you what type of character that Carson Wentz is and the reason why he, he might be on his way out of, the, out of the league as we speak. Yeah, I was thinking about this too the other day when I saw that story. And I'm just like, it's crazy. A guy that was a number two overall pick. Was almost the MVP in 2017. Got paid what 100 and something million in 2019, I believe. Mm-hmm. And now you look at him, three different teams in three years, and now he might like you. You're not going to get. You're only going to get so many chances to be a starter. And they made him the starter last year. At the end of the year, had a terrible game, terrible, terrible. And that was his last chance. Like nobody's going to sign him to be a starter now. I mean, if they found him, it's going to be. A one-year backup deal and maybe one point one million or something, but nobody's going to sign him and say, "Oh, he's our starter going forward." It's just it's not happening anymore. It's over. And unfortunately, it, it just seems like he never really worked on his game or his mentality. I mean, don't get me wrong; I've always liked the gunslinger mentality that yeah. he's had about himself. But at the end of the day, there's times when it's you know there's a time to be a gunslinger. There's a time to kind of just take what the defense gives you. And Carson Wentz was just never that guy. It just seemed like he was always hard to coach up. And, you know, you tell him to go left, he wants to go right. I mean, you remember all the rumors that we had to endure through 20, um, 2020. I mean, it was absolutely horrible. And it, it just seems like that reputation has followed them wherever he's gone. It's yep. just – it's it's disappointing. It really is. I will say I remember those rumors. And some of the rumors started as early as, like, 2018, 2019. Yep. But at that time, yep. I didn't want to believe it. I was like, nah, that's, that's just somebody – it's probably some salty receiver that's not getting the ball that's saying that stuff or whatever. But – Looking back now, I'm like, oh, they, they might have been right. So, I thought so. I thought they were. I thought you know they were just rumors too, and I, I didn't want to believe them as well. It wasn't until I started getting into WIP, you start hearing things from other reporters and whatnot. You just listening, you hearing people talking, and you just sit there and you go. And I'm, you know, of course, you know, certain things I'm not allowed to talk about, but I'm just sitting there and going, and I'm like, oh boy, that this yeah. might be true. Oh, yeah, okay, thanks. wow. Yeah, this is like you don't want to believe it, and then it's like I don't know. He's like, huh? Maybe they, maybe, maybe might have been a little right about some of those things, but yeah. So Miles Sanders, what do you what do you do if you're a, the GM, Hobby Roseman? What are you doing with Miles Sanders this off season? He's gone. Miles Sanders is gone. He he's got it. He's gone, and for a couple reasons. One of them being you don't value running. You don't you don't pay running backs like that. We see how paying running backs has done for the Dallas Cowboys. 
you, you don't pay running backs, one. And two, over the course of the season, while, yes, this is the most yards that he's ever ran this season, his play time has also decreased over the course of the season in the playoffs. Um, I know you've noticed, but Kenny Gangwell has been the main guy that's been splitting yep. reps with him. Ken, and Kenny Gangwell's been pro- sometimes even getting a couple more snaps than Miles Sanders has. And it just seems like Miles Sanders, I, I don't know. There's there's times where Miles Sanders will, will you know, hit the hole and run for a big game. Then there's times where he bounces it. He bounces too much and he bounces to the outside. One of the big things I've always said about um, Sanders uh, at, even after we drafted him, was that I, I questioned his vision sometimes because sometimes you just got to stay persistent with the hole. Follow your offensive lineman sometimes. Right. Don't create something. You can't create something all the time that's not there. Right. And he would always try to go to the outside and, and go for the big game. And sometimes that's not even necessary. And I think that's the most frustrating part about him. He's a talented running back. There's no doubt about it. But he still struggles at times in pass blocking situations, which in today's NFL, that's never, you know, that's never going to be a good thing. And yeah. the fact that you 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 struggle with your vision, especially with an offensive line like this that continues to create goals, not just for the other running backs, but for their quarterback as well. I mean, it, it's 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 inexcusable to not to not follow through, you know, with your offensive line. And so. Miles Sanders, I think, is gone. You can find another guy in the draft. Running backs are a dime a dozen today. Yeah, I, I've said that for years. Like, if I were a GM, I'm drafting a running back like Lily every single draft. Like, even like I'm not saying the first round, but third, fourth, fifth, sixth round, I'm finding like some running back somewhere because every single year you should be drafting a running back because there's a million running backs in these drafts, and you don't need them. You don't need every guy to be a feature back. You just need like two or three solid guys and. If you got another rotational guy, like you're good to go. Like, like everybody's I, I, not Barry Sanders and Emmitt Smith, but you know everybody needs that Kenneth Gainwell, that Boston Scott, that Darren Sproles. Like, heck, you can even pick one off of the undrafted free agency um, wire that a lot of people that a lot of people have, you know, a lot of teams have done. It, it's really easy to find a running back today, so I'm not worried about losing Miles Sanders. Yeah, he does struggle with his vision a little bit. I'm Notice this year watching them, he he would definitely bounce out things, or I'd be like, "Wait, the hole was here. Why'd you go that way?" Or like, "Right, you should have went outside. Why'd you go inside?" Like, I, it's, his vision is a little questionable at times. It does have to suck to be a running back though, and you know you're drafted and you're the starter, and then the guy gets drafted behind you like a year after you, and then you're like, "Hmm, this guy here to be my replacement?" Because you know you're the starter in 2020, 2021. From uh, Miles Sanders, you've been there for two years at that point, and then you drafted Kenny Gainwell, so you got to be thinking in the back of your mind a little bit: Is he here? And, to play and, and then you look at the playoffs, and you saw Kenny Gainwell had 100 yards against the Giants, and in this last game, the Super Bowl, I remember asking somebody at the job, I'm "Like, is Miles Sanders hurt? Like, because why has he not been in here?" And I see him on the sideline just chilling, but I really thought he was hurt because I saw Gainwell get plenty more snaps than Sanders was getting, so I was a little worried with that, but. But I think that should tell you all you need to know about Miles Sanders' future here. So. Yeah, and there was, a, there was a time in the first quarter where it, it wasn't talked about on the TV, but he was hurt. He did go into the locker room, but I, I believe um, uh, he took a huge hit going going out of bounds. Okay. So um, first quarter he was hurt, but then he did come back. But, yeah, it's, it's frustrating. It really is. And it, it, you can't – listen, Miles Sanders was a second-round pick. I believe Kenny Gangle was either a fourth or fifth-round pick. I don't exactly remember. Yeah. But – you're, you know, the Eagles take take a lot of precedence in where they pick their, you know, who plays 
depending on where you were drafted. If you're a second-round pick and a, a, a guy gets drafted in the fourth or fifth round at your position, that's the last thing I'm worried about. Don't get me wrong. I'm still going to perform. I'm still going to do what I got to do. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I can't, you know, wrap my head around the fact that a guy who got drafted at my position, I just need to do my job. And if that's what was in the back of Miles Sanders' mind the entire time, then he's got the wrong mentality. Yeah. And going back to Carson Wentz, I feel like that's probably – Probably what happened to him. I think once they drafted Jalen Hurts, he, mentally he he just couldn't handle it. Yeah, honestly, that's what that's honestly what happened with Carson Wentz. A guy gets drafted behind him. He he can't handle it. Can't really handle it. Doesn't really want to handle it. Thinks that he you know he's the end all be all. Shouldn't have been even considered. You know, drafting Hurts. I I questioned the pick at the time, but apparently something was there. And now we're looking at Howie Roseman as the greatest guy of all time. <laughs> right. And it's funny because I heard him, I think this was last year, even before they got good. And Howie Roseman pretty much said the drafting of Jalen Hurts was because we played in, what, six playoff games since in, during his tenure, and our starting quarterback hasn't, hasn't played in any of them. I mean, so, like, mm-hmm. you got to think 2017, 2018, Nick Foles played those, and then he was starting, he was ready to play in 2019, then he gets hurt on, like, the first possession, and we had to go with Josh McCown. So, at this point, it's like, okay, we need a solid backup quarterback. So, you, okay, Jalen Hurts is available. All right, let's let's take a flight on him. Let's see what happens. Worst case scenario, you have a good backup, or maybe you can trade them later for some 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 higher picks or something if you need to. But at this point, you needed them, and now, like you said, we're looking at them like, hmm, we got a better quarterback here. And back to the draft thing, you got a first round pick in Carson Wentz, and now our second round pick ends up being better than our first round pick. So it worked out. Yeah, it definitely did work. I mean, he was drafted to just be a, a backup, you know, and, every, you know, maybe maybe we trade him down the line. But, unfortunately, Carson Wentz didn't see it that way. But it's, it was a blessing in disguise. Carson Wentz played so bad in 2020. Like, when you if you go back and watch those games, it's like, this guy was horrible. Yeah, he was making some real questionable throws. There was times he would throw a ball to double coverage, and I would just be like, Dude, what were you looking at? Like, I, I really wanted – there were times that there were certain throws I would have loved to have been the quarterback coach and just be able to just ask Carson Wentz. Like, in that situation, yeah. what were you looking at? What 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 did you see when you yeah. threw that ball? Did you really think that you have this godlike arm that you can just fit this ball into anywhere you think you can put it into? Because right. the reality is you can't. Yeah, you can't <laughs> at all. Right. <laughs> and – I remember a Dallas, the Dallas game, the Sunday night game where we, we beat them. I think they had, like, Ben DiNucci or something as they started. And mm-hmm. Carson Wentz, it was, like, the first or second possession. He's rolling to the left. He's pointing at somebody. And then he watched the All-22. It was like, who are you actually pointing at? And he ended up, like, getting sacked and fumbling the ball. Then it was an interception oh, in, yeah. in the, in the uh, end zone that happened where he tried to, like, throw it way to the right, but he was, like, rolling to the left. And he's just like – what is this guy doing out here? So, like, so that was the game we all were like, okay, I, I don't know about this Carson Wentz guy anymore. Man. Yeah, I was I, – yeah, I think it was – for me, it was that 2020 season, that San Francisco game. Even though we ended up winning that game, there was just a couple of throws where I was just like, okay, I don't think I'm a big fan of Carson Wentz anymore. <laughs> yeah, I think that was definitely my, like, oh, I don't know, man. Remember when um Travis Fulgham was our, our best receiver for, like, a four-week stretch of yeah, now look at the receivers we got now. It's, uh, it's, it's we're we're just just think about those times and the times we're in now. Ooh, I'm so grateful. Oh, yeah, we had I think it was Travis Fulgham, Greg Ward, Jalen Rager, and 
feel like it was a, like I think John Hightower was on that team. And it was just a bad receiving core. Now look at this: Devontae Smith and AJ Brown, like beautiful man. Oh my gosh! I, yeah, I will. I'm so grateful for the receivers that we have now to help out. Jalen Hurts is absolutely incredible. Quez Watkins is he a free agent after this year too? Who I I've been up and down about Quez. Um, I, I man, he he's a frustrating case because you want to believe in a guy with that type with that type of top line speed, right. but at the end of the day, you have guys that speedy coming out of the draft all the time. So. I, honestly, I, I would probably look elsewhere for a number three receiver. I mean, the frustrating part about him, it just – if he learns the, – the thing with him coming out was if he learned how to run routes, uh-huh. even not even to the level of Devontae Smith, just learn how to run routes just a tad bit better. He would be such a threat just based off of his speed. And it's just so unfortunate that, like, he – it just – I don't know if he's he's working on it or not. I can't say. Yeah. But just based off of the results that I see on the field, I mean, he hasn't earned Jalen Hurts' trust in certain situations. I mean, you can honestly say that Quest Watkins pretty much was one of the main reasons why there was even a loss, you know, on the you know on the record of the Philadelphia Eagles under right. Jalen Hurts. Yeah, honestly, you, yeah, you, was... yep, you can arguably say that, and just. You can't drop that ball in that situation. Talk going back to the Super Bowl. Yeah. I mean, it's right in your hands. And if you go back and look at it, he slowed down on his route, and he has a tendency to do that. I don't know if he's thinking the ball's just not going to come to him. But you know, dude, everybody's like, you know, well, it was a tough catch. It not really, not when it hits your hands like that. The ball cleared the corner, the safety. Uh-huh. All you got to do is just put your hands out and catch it. I mean, you can pay millions of dollars to do that. There's no excuse for catching that ball in that situation. Right. And for Quest Watkins, though, you should – you're always going to be open. You're always going to have single covers. I mean, you got Dallas Goddard. You got Devontae. You got AJ. You're never going to, like, see some crazy double teams. Like, that. What, like you said, that wasn't that hard of a catch to make. I mean, it's a diving catch, sure, but like, you're a guy that's fast, and it was in your hands. Like, it's really not that hard. Now, if you caught – like, let's say you held on to it, right? And you go to the ground, and maybe you just lost control of it just a little bit. I would at least understand that a little more because you had to dive. That's a little harder. But the fact that you never even got to that point is the more frustrating thing to make. So, it very very frustrating. They're they're I would say they're gonna they're probably gonna look for another wide right receiver either in through free agency or probably in the upcoming draft. Zach Pascal is he signed a one year deal or we got him for another year? I, I believe. I believe Zach Pascal signed a one-year deal as well. I'm not 100% sure, but I, I do believe that he did. So I, I would now don't now I would definitely like Zach Pascal to come back. That's a guy I would like to come back. He he made a couple plays for us, you know, when he was in the game. There was times where he was reliable, caught a few short passes, good blocker in the open field. That's a guy that you come back. That's a good. That's a good number three, number four receiver. Yeah, and he does all the dirty work. He's not scared to block. Like you, you right. just the little routes that he runs. You'll see like just like the little rub plays. Like he runs them things to perfection. They remember last year, to be to start the year. That's how you knew we had a really young coach and a really young quarterback and a really brand new team. How many times did we see uh, offensive pass interference or ineligible man down the field? Like those first four or five weeks was brutal because you can just tell that we were like this team was still learning those little nuances of the game. Yep. But you, yep. don't see that. you don't see that anymore now because now you know, okay, now we know what we're doing now. Now we know how to run these screenplays and we know how to run these rub routes and these 
these pick plays. We know how to do all of these things now. So. And I think that's the reason why I give uh, uh, this coaching staff, this offensive coaching staff, a lot of credit. Uh-huh. I mean, there was a lot, you know, if, if they made a mistake that next week, you didn't really see it. Right. And that's impressive. So, you know, I give credit where credit is due. I know a lot of people have ripped, Nick, you know, Nick Sariani and Shane Steichen. They don't think that the offensive game plan was the best um, going into the Super Bowl. But I digress. I mean, I'll, I'll look at the overall season and, you know, to be a, being able to, you know, work through the mistakes, work through young players and being able to push this team to a Super Bowl. It's not easy, especially with the core of this team being as young as it is. Yep. I mean, I, I, I'm impressive. I, it was impre- I'm impressed. It was impressive. Yeah. And you got to give credit where credit is due. Yeah, you sure do, man. I I, I like the coaching staff. I mean, I know they just lost uh, Coach Steichen. Yeah. Uh, Indianapolis, which is funny to me because I just feel like the Eagles and the Colts are just going to, like, give coaches back and forth. Like, you know, they we lose Frank Reich to them, and then we get Nick Sirianni here, and then now we give them Shake Steichen. It's just it's just crazy. Like. It, yeah, I think um, I think the rumor is that Brian Johnson, the quarterback coach, is going to step up and be the offensive coordinator. That's the rumor that I'm hearing right now. Okay. But um, and apparently um, Shane and apparently um, Jonathan Gannon is still in the lead to get the head coaching job in Arizona. Me personally, fingers crossed. <laughs> I, that's just my that's just how I feel about Jonathan Gannon. I, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, most people are not fans of Jonathan Gannon. I know the numbers look good because of a lot, a lot of the sex. It's just not aggressive enough. So leading up to really the, the Super Bowl and just the playoffs, I was just watching a lot of like old games and just old, like early 2000s, just like kind of when the Eagles were becoming good, really 99, 2000, 2001. And just the way Jim Johnson was so aggressive. And a lot of these games, even when the offense wasn't good, the defense was just keeping them in these games. And there were some plays where you would see like seven, eight in the box where Dawkins would just be like literally right over the center and you didn't know if he was coming or not. And a lot of these plays, the quarterback would go back and before he even had a chance to throw, somebody was in his face because you can only block so many people. And I'm not saying everybody's going to be Jim Johnson, but I just wish he was just a little more aggressive. I'm not one of those guys that's like, our right, Jonathan, again, I, I need you out. Like, I need you out. But I just wish he would just change his philosophy just a little bit. I do agree with you. Um, I know a lot of people will reference Jim Johnson. They want and Alex Gannon to blitz a little bit more. We're in a different league. You can't blitz the same way Jim Johnson used to. I mean, the closest thing that we got to Jim Johnson now is probably Steve Spagnuolo, the Chiefs defensive coordinator. We just saw him. We saw exactly how that worked out, you know, against their defense and what Jalen Hurst was able to do. So, in terms of blitzing, you know, you got to be more, a whole lot more selective with blitzes. But I do agree, the aggressiveness has to has to step up just a little bit more. I mean, you can't give respect to every single quarterback that you give to, and to the point where you, you play your 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 players that soft yeah. and just rely on the front four. I mean, if your front four is not getting home, this is where you know good coordinators become great coordinators. It's the adjustments within the game. It's uh-huh. the, the game of football is, is like a game of chess. You know, you have to think what your opponent is doing and think, you know, two, three steps ahead of them. If you see a guy made a move, made a certain move. Okay. Now what's he, okay. He made a certain move. Now what are you going to do to adjust to that certain, to, to that move that he made? And uh-huh. Don, unfortunately, Jonathan Gannon's not really good at that. I mean, hopefully the Cardinals overlook that and they take him off our hands. That would be, <laughs> that would, that would definitely be clutch in my opinion. I just think that this defense needs a, a, a bit of an identity change, just a little bit more aggressiveness. That's all. It's funny to me because 
you think about what stadium we 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 were just playing at. Mm-hmm. And if you're the Cardinals, you're thinking, okay, this team played in our stadium. The defense got absolutely shredded. And mm-hmm. okay, yeah, let's hire that guy. Like, no problem. Like, it's just it's it's a weird thing to think. Also, with the Colts with Shane Sykes too. Like the Colts game offensively, it was probably one of the worst games that we played. Though. So it was it's kind of funny and ironic that they're hiring him to be their head coach. But like I said, it is what it is. So Hey, look, well, Shane Steichen, I mean, there, there's a reason why Shane Steichen got, got to look at for head coach with the development of Jalen Hurts and that entire offense. I mean, Shane Steichen was the play caller here. So, I mean, there's a reason why he got to look at the end of Indianapolis job and the reason why he got it. Yeah. Now, hopefully, now, hopefully Arizona overlooks this game. Yeah. And, it takes getting off our heads. Yeah. But that, that's the hope. But, hey, you know, we'll see. Yeah. But my only issue, not, not really issue, though, but. So 2017, we lost Frank Reich, and then we saw we kind of never got that same magic back that we had in 2017. Mm-hmm. So now my only issue is, okay, losing our offensive coordinator this time around, are we going to see the same thing happen next year? Do you you have faith that Nick Sirianni can, like, keep the thing rolling, that Brian Johnson can keep it rolling? But I do know we lost the quarterback coach in 2017, too. It was uh, John Filippo, I believe. So like, yes. maybe with the quarterback coach still being here, maybe we'll be able to – keep the same magic or you don't have that same nervousness around this time? I mean, I can't answer that right now only because I don't know how, you know, Brian Johnson calls an offense. I don't know. I don't know if he's, you know, balanced like Shane Steichen was. I don't know if he's pass happy. I don't know if he's run happy. So I I have no clue, you know, the type of mentality that a Brian Johnson has. It it just remains to be seen, you know, or whatever offensive coordinator they bring in, it just remains to be seen, you know, what they're going to do with the pieces that they have. Or, yeah, yeah. Um, I figure, like, Nick Sirianni slash Steichen, it's like their philosophy is, like, last year it was just run, 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 because that's pretty much all we could do. Right. Outside of the occasional pass to Devontae Smith. But this year it was more, okay, let's pass to get the lead. It was like throw, throw, throw. And then let's just, like, run out the clock and just beat these guys down. Let's run the ball in the second half. Like, and that's why the running numbers look so good because you look up at the end of the game and you're like, oh, we had 170 rushing yards. Like I feel like we barely run the ball at all. But like, but you'll look up and then the numbers actually look good though. So it also helps when you record a back um, contribute to the majority of those total rushing yards. So okay. um, especially on on design quarterback run plays and on 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 the zone reads and even the RPOs, it yeah. definitely helps to have a quarterback you know contribute to those numbers. Right. So. I had this thought because I saw this a couple of weeks ago. Teams around the league were complaining about the, the quarterback sneaks and like, oh, it's, uh, it's not fair, blah, blah, all that crap. So I had this thought during the game. We, we've read like maybe five quarterback sneaks in that Super Bowl. Yeah. I'm thinking like, I wonder in the offseason if the, if the league will try to change stuff, some kind of rules that'll kind of get us from doing that quarterback sneak. Do you think the league will try to implement some kind of rule that'll like take that away from not only us but the rest of the league. I mean, I'm not sure if they're going to create a rule like that, but at the end of the day, I mean, most teams quarterbacks don't squat 600 pounds. So yeah. even with so even with you know the 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 rest of the teammates pushing you know Jalen Hurts into the end zone or to to get a first down, right. Jalen Hurts really could do it himself. To be honest with yeah, you, sure. I mean, you don't. You know, it's not many, if any, quarterbacks that can squat 600 pounds. Like I said, so I mean, that's the main difference. Yeah, like it's so fun to watch too because it's like going up. I think the Packers game was like the only game they stopped it like two times in a row. But outside of that, 
it's like 100% of the time. And it's so fun to watch when we just line up and you know what's coming, the other team know what's coming. And I think the first time we did it, one of their – I don't know if it was Chris Jones or somebody else. One of them were offsides, and we got the call. Yeah. We got the first down anyway. But – and it's just so fun to watch. Like, just everybody behind them, and everyone knows what's coming. And we just, like – it's nothing y'all can do to stop them because our offensive line is too good. They're too powerful up there. Jalen Hurts, like you said, he squats 600 pounds. And if that doesn't work, then Miles Sanders or Devontae Smith or A.J. Brown or Goddard, somebody behind them, is just going to push them ahead. So, it's it's easy picking for early, like. And that's the beautiful part about it. I mean, look, at the end of the day, it, it, it just it's mano a mano. And for the most part, this offensive line of ours also, you got to give credit to those big guys up front. I mean, it's not many offensive lines that I see on a consistent basis being able to just dominate opposing defensive linemen. I mean, they get paid too. And our offensive linemen, at the end of the day, just went out and said, hey, we're bigger, we're stronger, we're tougher than you, we're going to prove it. And they did exactly that for, the, for most of those quarterback sneaks. Right. You know, that's the one thing um you know we're talking about the defense with the free agents and we got um maybe Quez gonna be a free agent and Zach Pascal and Miles Sanders and we gotta pay Jalen Hurts but the the offensive line is like pretty much set outside of we don't know if Jason Kelsey's gonna retire I mean he's still up in the air about that so besides outside of that though offensive line is pretty set everybody's fine like every like we've had the same offensive line pretty much every single game if I'm not I think Lane Johnson he missed the last two games but Mm-hmm. Like once he comes back healthy, like we pretty much had the same offensive line every single game. So like, it's pretty, yeah. And I think the only guy that's um, another guy that's up is Isaac Siamalo. I mean, he didn't do a really good job, you know, this Super Bowl, yeah, uh, this Super Bowl game. But um, it's a toss up whether or not he's going to come back or not. Um, now, considering that he he was part of a Super Bowl uh, team, he uh-huh. may get paid in the off season. So. We may be looking at an offensive guard, but offensive lineman is just one of those is one of those uh, positions where I'm definitely not worried about because the, the team's always going to find offensive linemen. They always find offensive linemen somewhere, right? And that's why I felt like when they uh, resigned Jeff Stoutland, I'm just like, same way you feel about Jalen Hurts, whatever y'all got to do to keep him. I'm really not for holding coaches back when when if a guy has a chance to go get another job somewhere, if he has a chance to improve, like be offensive coordinator or be a head coach somewhere. You let him go. You never want to hold the guy back. But Jeff Stoutland is the one guy where I say, no, you got to you gotta hold him back. I never want to lose this guy ever. Yeah, no, got to keep Jeff Stoutland, whatever you do. Got to keep Jeff Stoutland. I don't care what you – if you got to pay more than the head coach, like, pay him. I don't care. Like, you just – you got to keep Stoutland, man. I agree. Got to keep Jeff Stoutland University going. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, I just love the offensive line. I'm trying to think of any more quick hits before I let you go. Um, let me think. Let me think. Let me think. AJ Brown got him. She was a good defense. Okay. So, only only question I'm gonna have for you before we go: If Jonathan Gannon does, you know, take the Arizona job or he goes somewhere else, who do you think would be a good replacement as far as like what do you see around the league? Like, oh man. It's a hard one. I would have said Vic Fangio because he was here during the course of the season. Um, as a matter of fact, there was a rumor out there that should Jonathan Gannon get hired as the as a head coach somewhere, that Vic Fangio was going to be the guy to step up and be the uh, be the defensive coordinator. Now I, I'm not even so sure. Um, they're probably most likely they're going to promote from within. Who that who that's probably going to be? I don't know yet at this current time, but. 
um, I would most likely probably put my money on uh, a promotion from within the organization. Right, right. Okay, not bad, not bad. Like that. Uh, I just, whoever it is, I just really hope it's somebody who lets these guys do what they do best because the secondary that you have here, which, you know, James Bradbury, James Bradbury notwithstanding, probably won't be back. But even if you bring somebody in, I feel like you're going to bring in a solid corner to replace them, whether it's in the draft or whether it's maybe a another cheap one, two-year deal with another cornerback, somebody that's just happened to become available. I just think you have to let these guys do what they do. Like, you got Darius Slade, you got Avanti Maddox. Like, there's no reason you should be just sitting in cover three all the time, sitting in deep cover three all the time. Like, I think you need to have these guys play more aggressively. Now, again, you're not going to play aggressive every single play. You don't want to you don't want to play man-to-man every single play. That's how you get beat for touchdowns. But just when it got us a little more aggressive. Like, and I, I'm not even talking about just blitzing. I just mean as far as the secondary, let, letting them do what they do. So I agree with I, I agree with it. I, I, I do. I, I definitely agree with that aggressiveness because at the end of the day, I mean, it, it's defense at the end of the day. Even when I played in high school a little bit, like they're being soft and soft and defense were not even allowed to be in the same damn sentence. Yeah. Right. So like, so it, it pains me to see these players and they're not like soft zone players. They're guys that like to get up in people's faces. They're guys that like to kind of play aggressive. I mean, you remember that 49ers game, even Avante Maddox had a couple of hard hits up in there. Yep. I mean, it, it, these guys, they, they want to play aggressive. It's just that they're being told at times to kind of back off a little bit and, Whoever they do bring in, I do agree. They gotta come in with a um, with a, a little bit more of an of an aggressive mentality. They just got to. Yeah, because it's funny because when you say the word aggressive, people think it's just synonymous with blitzing, and that's not even what we're talking about. But it's funny with Avante Maddox. It was a play. I would really have to go back and watch like every single game from either last year or twenty twenty, and it was a play at the goal line, and he came through and he. I think he like tackled a tight end or something, or it was, a, it was somebody that was like way bigger than him. Like, if I find this play, I'm, I'm gonna send it to you. I really can't remember what team it was against, but it was one play where he made, and I was just like, "That's the best play I've ever seen if I team Maddox play." Um, that's the best play I've ever seen him make. So, I'm gonna find this play for you though. But yeah, if I team Maddox, <laughs> that's that's probably the best slot corner in the league right there. Like, I agree with you. Um, Vontae Maddox is a very underrated slot corner. I, I love him. And the times that he does get to play aggressive, it, it is is one of the most beautiful things to ever see. Seriously, and he's not a big guy. That's the thing. Like he's so small, but then the way he plays, he plays like sometimes you'll see. He's like, wait, is that Brian Dawkins out there? What in the world? <laughs> I won't go that. I won't go that far for Brian Dawkins, but he does play. He, he does play aggressive for his size, and I and I love guys like that. I always have. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm find this play for you. I really am. I, I really got to go back and watch every single game though. So. Wish I can remember who it was against. Yeah, it'll come to me. All right, so um, you got any uh, final thoughts about this this Super Bowl or about the um, season? I'm not quite where a lot of people are at about. Oh, it was a great season. Enjoy the ride. Like I'm just not there yet. It was the same way with the Phillies. Like after the run, people are like, "Oh, it was a great run." And it took me a couple of weeks to get to that point. I'm not quite there just yet. Eventually, I'll be able to look back on this season and say, you know what? It was a great season. Are are you there yet, or is it going to take you a while as well? So. Well, the difference between the Phillies and the Eagles was the Phillies were definitely an underrated team that started off 
you know, losing and then ended up making the big game. And it's, it's definitely a big difference between the two. The Eagles came in and they were like the big dogs of the NFL and let people know about it. So it's a little bit more disappointing with the Eagles. I mean, look, at the end of the day, they, they squandered an opportunity. And I'm not – this is something that's going to take me a good little while to get over because the, the squad that they had and, you know, the opportunity that was right there in front of them and they just didn't capitalize on it. I mean, it, it's going to fr- it's going to frustrate us and it's going to haunt us. Yeah. But I, I do believe in Howie Roseman. I do believe Howie Roseman is going to get this roster back to where it needs to be. Yep. And the one good thing that I will I will say to Eagles fans is that you know, everything is still looking up. Your core players are, you know, intact for years to come, especially on offense. Jalen Hurts is going to have a new contract where he's going to stay for years. So everything is still looking up. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not depressed about it as I was after the game, but <laughs> I, I'm, I'm still in my I'm still in a disappointment phase. But at the end of the day, you know, I believe in Harry Roseman. I believe this team will recover and they will go back. And I don't. And me personally, if there's one big, huge um, take I'm gonna say, this isn't the last time to, that we saw the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I agree with that. Like, I think Patrick Mahomes is one of the few quarterbacks that you could, because we talk all the time. Like everybody on TV says it all the time. You got to win the Super Bowl while your quarterback is on their rookie contract, because once you're having to start play, pay these quarterbacks, you can't really pay anybody else. I think Patrick yep. Mahomes is the only exception to the rule to where he's good enough to where it doesn't really matter what you put around him. He's still going to win. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Patrick Mahomes is that main X factor guy where, yeah, it doesn't really matter. But, the, you know, those guys come around few far in between. So yeah. you can't necessarily rely on your quarterback to all the time, you know, push you to the Super Bowl. Now, do do I see Jalen Hurts eventually being that quarterback? You know, maybe, you know, they, he definitely has done a hell of a job this past season. So I'm not going to put it, you know, put anything against them. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see. We'll, we'll see how everything turns out. Right. I think if you keep an offensive line this good around him, he could still be good. Now, if the offensive line starts to go down a little bit, I think he will start struggling a little bit. But I don't – I'm not saying that he needs a Devontae Smith and an A.J. Brown at all times, like – I mean, every every quarterback needs at least, like, one star receiver, though. So, he definitely needs at least one of those guys. But he doesn't need, like, a loaded team around him to win. I think he's good enough to win with a little bit of a lesser player around him. So, so yeah. you saying it's going to take you a while. To me, I got two things that's, like, really frustrating. Like, two things <clears throat> off the top of my head. One, Thursday. Thursday, I got to work on Thursday. It's going to really crush me to have to go to work on Thursday because – I was planning on going to the parade on Thursday, and like that was going to be yeah. the parade, and like that's when it's really going to hit me. I'm like, I'm not even supposed to be here, man. I'm supposed to be <laughs> down at the art museum, like celebrating. I'm supposed to see Jason Kelsey with his mummers parade. I'm supposed to see like Nick Sirianni because the way Nick Sirianni talks, he talks a little more cocky than Doug Peterson. So you know, we were going to get a great soundbite from uh, Nick Sirianni. We just knew that. Was yes. Yes, uh, yeah, I can only imagine now what what Nick Sirianni probably would have said on that stage. Yeah, so I'm just thinking, man, I'm supposed to be down there, like celebrate with the rest of my Eagles fans, and that's going to hit me really hard. Another thing, we play the Chiefs next year too in Kansas City, so you yep. know what they're going to do on Thursday night. They're going to have them open the season, and they're going to have them play up. I, I just, I just feel it, man. I, I just know what's going to happen. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They're going to open it up with the, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, I think that's the direction that they're gonna go in. 
which is fine by me. It's fine. You know what? Rub, rub it in our face. Rub it in our faces. All right. And I gotta, you gotta sit there and watch the um, the um, unveiling of the, the the Super Bowl thing. They gotta get their rings. Like I don't want to watch that, man. Like it's just, it's gonna hurt too much. But like if they don't do that, I'm thinking they either do that. If Denver was any good this year, they probably would have had them open it up next year, like a divisional game. But I really think they're gonna do like they're not gonna. As much as the storylines was there, I feel like that's the direction they're gonna go. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, it, it remains to be seen, but that, yeah, I, I see that going in that direction. Yeah, stupid man. <laughs> Thir- Thursday, I'm telling you, two days from now, it's really going to hit me. I'm telling you, I'm a man. Freaking parade! The ESPN will be showing the Kansas City parade, and I'm just be like, no, nah, that should have been us, man. That should be our parade. We was up twenty-four to fourteen. Like, yeah, I swear, if I can go back in time to anything, I would just go back to halftime, like. Everybody was, was enjoying their Brianna performance. Like we were up by ten points going into half. I'm like, all right, bet. Like we get one stop coming out the half, but like, we're in good shape and couldn't get a stop. So you can't, you can't. Yeah, it's revisionist history at this point. I mean, you just got to take it in stride. Don't don't look at the don't look at the Chiefs parade. Whatever you do, don't look at it. Yeah. Don't turn on ESPN. Just process <laughs> the loss and you know we'll, we'll get through it together, Eagles fans. We'll get through it together. Yeah, we have to, man. All right, well, um, well, thanks, Tyre. I appreciate you hopping on. Um, definitely talk to you probably again throughout the off season. Maybe as the draft comes around, maybe more free agency. We'll we'll talk again. Yeah, yeah, no problem, man. I I enjoyed this. Yes, always a good time. I think you've been like going here like four times. So, like, I think you like my. I think my little brother has been on twice, and I think I got a guy Mike that's been on with me twice. But you've been on with me like four times, so I, I appreciate you, man. Oh man, that's no problem. I enjoyed this therapy session. Yeah, for sure. We definitely need this one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, talk to you later, bro. All right, see you. All right, man.